morning, Bill. Thank you, Miss Cranford. Appreciate that. Men, resist the urge to call you boys because I'm so much older than you. You know, I always appreciated uh, when I was a teenager. I came here when I was 16, and Ron always referred to me and Mike as men, which I appreciated that because uh, I'm, you know, over 35, and I still have people refer to me as a boy, or the boys. And uh, I think there's some people that you just kind of get perpetually some age in their mind, and it's always the always a, a blow to your ego when someone calls you a boy. But I suppose, you know, if you are of a certain age, then you have earned that right. You know, when I was, I remember being a kid and riding the bus and thinking, man, those high school kids are like adults. They're so grown up and so big. Look at those ninth graders. Oh, my gosh. And then I got to high school and they didn't, we didn't seem so big. And I, I got to be 30 and I thought, wow. They're kids. My goodness. So, funny how everything is relative to where you are. Jesus, we thank you for this day. Uh, we, we thank you that you've given us uh, this place to, to fellowship with your saints. And we thank you for your word to us. It, it has been nothing but good and, and grace and glory to us, God. We appreciate your love for us, God. Whether the things you have to say to us are uh, are sweet, whether they, they be salty, whether they even be bitter things, God, we appreciate everything that you have to say to us. And we pray that today you give us uh, eyes to see and ears to hear and, and hearts to receive those things that you have from your throne for us today. And we just pray it and ask it in the name of Jesus. God, we bind the carnal mind. We loose uh, your spirit to do exactly what you want to do in this place. In the name of Jesus. Amen, amen. Uh, so, uh, as if Mike and Cynthia were not so kind, they would be all too able to tell you that I am a big, big, big whiner. And uh, but they wouldn't tell you that. Uh, but it is true. So you have it here in writing. Well, not in writing, but in person. I am a big complainer. So. This message is for me, and if it's for you too, I'm sorry, but at least we're all in the same boat. So, uh, you know, the thing is, uh, about uh, about um, being an army is, uh, you know, I, I've often thought over the years that I, I would have benefited greatly from uh, uh, a, a stint in the military. I think it would have been good for me. Uh, as far as self-discipline and so forth and so on, because I don't work nearly as hard as this little reputation that has surrounded me. And, and uh, Ron graciously uh, blows it up every chance he gets, but uh, uh, I really don't actually work all that hard or fast or anything else. But uh, um, I'm kind of one of those people that I only do things if I must. And I, I, I have to even admit I'm a procrastinator. If I don't want to deal with something, I just don't until I absolutely must. And I've really found that out more about myself as I've been going through this like buying a house process. It's like, oh, well, 
I got that stuff. You know, my realtor's like, hey, are you going to sign this thing and send it back or what? I'm like, uh, yeah, sorry. Um, so that's me in a nutshell. But, you know, the thing is, is, uh, you know, when you're in the Army, you can't afford to be gripey and, and whiny because whininess and complaint and doubt and all those things are contagious. And, of course, that's why God had... He told the children of Israel not to not to talk while they were marching around Jericho. Because as soon as one person was like, well, this seems dumb, then it would spread throughout the whole thing until there was this grumbling type of procession, funeral procession going around Jericho. Here we are, our own funeral. Yay. And uh, so God is very wise in the things that he does. And so, um, you know, it's human nature to complain about things. I think some people are more uh, prone to do it than others. And, uh, you know, uh, Ron mentioned it a little bit Wednesday night. kind of got me thinking because, you know, when uh, you know when we complain, a lot of times it's because we want an answer to the thing. It's because we want this thing fixed. We want somebody to kind of fix it for us. And, and I know that's what I do. And, uh, again, Mike could tell you if he wasn't so kind that, that I do that a lot. But... Um, you know, it's an interesting thing because in the army of God, there's no room for that. And and life, is, uh, the life of a Christian is not this easy cakewalk, pie in the sky type of thing. It's more like a, a soldier in wartime. And so uh, it occurred to me that uh, last night while I was putting this study together, it's like, well, um, if, if I wanted some easy no complaint road, the Girl Scouts is down the street. And so the, this would be the uh, recruiting office for the uh, the heaven military. So, uh, and so I got to thinking about you know it's it's almost like some sort of kind of like a disease almost because it it it, uh, uh, it, it requires a retraining of your behavior and things and and there but there is a an answer to it that the word gives us. And I think the most succinct answer for that is, is Isaiah 26.3. That will keep in perfect peace the mind that is stayed on thee, because he trusts in thee. And so, because when you look at circumstance, then uh, it can be quite easy to find fault with it and be unhappy about it and, and want to gripe about it. Again, uh, those closest to me could tell you that uh, they're familiar with that. And... Uh, so, so God uh, talks about that. There's a couple of interesting psalms. Go with me to Psalm 73, where He talks about that very thing. Oh, and <coughs> excuse me. Feels good to be back among the land of the living. I got sick on Friday, violently, terribly sick. Oh, so yes, from a hot pocket. If you've ever watched Jim Gaffigan, it's like, yeah, you had a hot pocket, did you? You're getting ready to call in sick. So, and I did. So, left Mike hanging on this particularly large and difficult job. We had everything all planned out nice and neat. And then I had texted him at 5.30 in the morning on Friday. Like, hey, bro, I'm not going to be there. So, my bad. Yeah. So... Hot pockets. Okay. 
So in Psalm 73, I, you know, this uh, kind of, I, I realized I'm almost unintentionally preaching this series of things about seeing what's going on around you in the society and, and uh, dealing with the way that it affects you. you know, because it's easy to see the, uh, <clears throat> to see the things that go on uh, around us and, and become really upset. You know, and we, I talked about that uh, a week or two ago, um, and and, that, and this psalm kind of starts out like that in that, that same sort of way because one of the I think the chief uh, things that uh, gives us uh, cause for complaint is that we become a Christian and life suddenly doesn't seem so easy anymore. Like you know, life doesn't seem so so hard when you're just kind of floating along. Now I know that's I think that's not necessarily the case for everyone, because I know there are some people that come out of some really tough places. Uh, you know, in my case, life was kind of sailing along pretty smooth, and and I became a Christian, and things kind of started getting harder, and uh, um, and so that I think that's something that happens, and it's easy to look at the people around you. You know, the grass is always greener off the off the narrow pathway. Or at least sometimes it appears that way. <clears throat> and I think the thing to do when that happens is to uh, uh, start figuring out how, how far ahead of us is, is Jesus getting. And because uh, the grass doesn't seem so green on the other side of the fence, the grass seems greener where he is. So in Psalm 73, he says, Truly God is good to Israel, even as such as are of a clean heart. And and that's that's a... That's a good way to say it. I like uh, the way the Youngs says this. He says, God is only good to Israel. And uh, which uh, kind of has a different connotation to it. I mean, they both say sort of the same thing. Uh, you know, Job said, you know, we, we receive good from the hand of God. Should we not also receive evil? But, you know, to, to think uh, uh, only, uh, I think, you know, the way the Young says it is always uh, a little... Yoda-esque, like only only good to Israel is God or something like that. But, um, you know, that's a great way to start this out because he's getting ready to start complaining. But he kind of starts out with this this, this statement of but, that, that God is, is only good to Israel. And, of course, that will be you and I. But as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. So, so he talks about feeling like he's losing his footing because he became envious at the 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 the, people, the unregenerate around him. I'm thinking, well, they've got all this cool stuff, and you know, life seems nice for them. They can kind of do whatever they want. He says there are no bands in their death, but their strength is firm. They're not in trouble as other men, neither are they plagued like other men. And therefore, pride compasses them about as a chain, and violence covers them as a garment. Their eyes stand out with fatness, and they have more than heart could wish. You know, we've I've worked in people's homes that they they had all kinds of they had this just amazing home and all this beautiful stuff, and without snooping around, but just kind of by being observant, you could see little clues here and there uh, that all was not well in, in their in their home. And uh, or sometimes 
we've, we've uh, worked in people's homes where the couples would start having an argument while we were there. Uh, typically about, uh, you know, which uh, shade of mauve was going to be the best for their master. You know, um, those, those get to be some awkward moments. You just kind of want to back away. But, uh, <clears throat> but you know, it's it's easy to 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 be envious when you see uh, how some people live, and and to to feel not quite so content with what you have when you see something that's really really cool. And so that's why I'm moving to Ottawa because when I saw Mike and Sarah's house, I thought well, my house is not so cool anymore. <laughs> so I've got to keep up with the Joneses here. Kind of had this maudlin moment uh, looking at my calendar yesterday and I realized I only have four Saturdays left living in Baldwin. And I thought, oh, I'm really excited, but I'm really going to miss Baldwin. I'm going to miss that house. And uh, kind of, you know, just thinking, it's like this is the only place Zoe's ever lived. And, and it's like, you know, the boys were really little when we moved there. And, and now they're, you know, almost driving. <laughs> Only eight, indeed. I suppose not. Thank you for setting me straight. I appreciate that. So, <clears throat> let's see. Their eyes stand out in fatness. They have more than heart could wish. They are corrupt. And they speak wickedly concerning oppression, and they speak loftily. Boy, and if you look at the news much. Like, I feel like a broken record, but boy, if you look at the news very much, I I just started looking at the headlines. Like, nah, I'm not going to read that. And uh, But you see that because there's this, this condescending attitude. Like I saw this one that said that uh, um, Americans not accepting evolution in mass is a failure of scientific education. Like, okay, I'm not even going to read that. That's That's so stupid. And uh, but there's this this condescending. Well, you're too stupid to believe this, or to, to you know to understand that this is you know this quantifiable, provable thing, even though it really isn't. Uh, I'm going to stop now. Uh, you know, it's funny because I, I talked about that a week or two ago about how you know God was like, hey, that's that's enough of the reading all these articles and this kind of running around ranting about them all the time. And for a few weeks leading up to that, I was just upset all the time. And I just always felt bad. It was like, I felt like I had a sunburn in my spirit. It was the best way I could think of to describe it. And it was like after I left all that stuff alone, I just suddenly felt normal again. It was really glorious. I appreciate God doing that. So I'd rather not go back to that. So he says that they... Uh, they set their mouth against the heavens, and their tongue walks through the earth. Therefore his people return hither, and waters of a full cup are wrung out to them. And they say, How does God know? And is their knowledge in the Most High? Behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world, and they increase in riches. You know, and uh, I always thought that I'd like a chance to show the Lord that being rich wouldn't spoil me, but I think it would. <laughs> so, hopefully I won't get too wealthy. But... Uh, I think. I'm trying to kind of play on both sides of that one. But but uh but it is easy to be envious of, of uh 
You know, it's like, well, why is everything going so well for them? And so he says, Verily, I have cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocency. All the day I've been plagued and chastened every morning. So then he starts talking about how he lived his life. And he says, I, I've been walking uprightly. And, and things have not been going so smooth. And I don't, have, I don't seem to be all prospered. I named it and claimed it, but I, I don't have a Ferrari in my garage. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I mean, seriously, people believe that that's how this stuff should work. And, uh, and, but he, he says it's a vain thing. And, uh, and he says, uh, for all day long I've been plagued and chastened every morning. You know, Matthew 7.14 says that the uh, it's straight is the gate and narrow is the way that leads to life and few there be that find it. So so if, if you're going to go in through that narrow gate, you're not going to get there without some chastening. You're not going to get there without some, some difficulties. And, and of course, the... the uh, uh, one, of, one of those scriptures that always kind of makes me sort of want to look down to the side a little bit, that uh, whom the Lord loves, he chastens, scourges every son, because nobody likes that. But <laughs> Thank you, Amber. No one likes that, but that's how you stay in the narrow way, and that's how you get into the straight gate, because you have to endure chastening, the Bible says. And, and so, so Asaph is talking about uh, it feels like completely vain that I've done these things and, and I've, I've really tried hard to do things right and all that. In verse 15 he says, If I say I will speak thus, if I said all this stuff out loud, he says, Behold, I should offend against the generation of thy children. And uh, I was reading along in this the other day and uh, something about that verse just sort of caught my attention. Thought, well, that's an interesting thing to say. Should have been, I, if I said that, because you know sometimes you're you're tired and you're just reading along, and you just I've read this a hundred times and you just sort of read over it. But when you stop, like Ron was talking about Wednesday night, and you really chew on it for a while, uh, it's amazing how much you can glean from the word. And so I kind of I thought, if I say I speak thus, if I said what, and so then I found myself going back and looking at it, it's like, well, this is what he he just was talking about, you know, talking about that it was vain to to serve God, basically, and to do th- to do these things right. Uh, and uh, I compared the these verses with the Youngs and the the Darby. It was really interesting because in the Youngs he says, "If I say I will speak thus, then thy sons have I deceived." And uh, you know, we we have that legacy, you know, that we leave behind to our children and to the the people around us in the church. We we have the we have input into their life. And and so, like I said, doubt and complaining and all that stuff is, is a contagious thing. And, uh, you know, uh, unless you're rubber instead of glue, it's real easy to have that stuff stick to you. And then you find yourself saying it too. I'm a poet. Sorry. But uh, that's an interesting thing, you know, because if you if you... Are talking to somebody young in the Lord, and you and you have this, uh, your speech tends towards this. Oh well, you know I've done all this stuff, and I've, I've really tried to honor God, and and everything in my life just fell to crap. Then, <laughs> you know, then then really what you're, you're maligning God, 
and doing damage to his children. But but it's interesting how the young puts that, that thy sons have I deceived. Because you're really deceiving them because that's like it's like the story I've told you guys before about how Mike and I were complaining about how our business was going a few years ago because things were slow and we uh, um, did not have the uh, amount of money coming in that we were accustomed to. And and uh, and so rather than, than seek the Lord about it, we were just kind of complaining. And so God gave us work to do that was not fun and further from home and didn't pay well, but it paid enough. And... Those are the worst kinds of jobs you can get into. A job that pays you enough to keep you there, but you can never really get away. You can't afford to get away from it either. So I believe they call those dead-end jobs. Uh, but um, you know, eventually God brought to our attention. It's like, well, I, I gave you this work because you were complaining that I wasn't giving you enough work. So have you had enough work? Have you had enough of working till uh, dawn till dark every night? in the middle of the summer, and driving an hour and a half round trip for it? Yeah, yeah, I have. And and so, you know, we, we did business with God, and then uh, the blessings just started coming right back in. And and that's what God does. But uh, that was the thing that, that Ron talked to us about, because we, we kind of, we felt like that's what God was showing us, and uh, Mike talked to Ron about it. He's like, this is what I felt like God showed me about this. This thing the other day when I was praying, and I was like, that's exactly right. You guys know better than to talk about God like that. Because what you're saying is God don't take care of me. And you know better. And it's kind of, you just sort of sink down. <laughs> like, oh, I do know better. Ah, man, God has never given me any reason to, to doubt him or to, to to say that he's not taking care of me. And... uh uh, the, the Darby puts this in an interesting way, too. He says, if I say I will speak thus, then I should be faithless against the generation of my children. And so, you know, and, and they all say basically the same thing, but uh, it's interesting the way those those different translations kind of give it just a different impact. Uh, and I, I think I think the Youngs puts it the most clearly, thy sons have I deceived. Well, but to be faithless against the you know, the people around you. That's an interesting way to put it because when you're in an army, um, it's about the people next to you. You know, uh, I, I I love World War II movies. Just love it. Mm-hmm. Love Band of Brothers. One of the best things ever. But you know, those guys all talked about how you know when you're when you were in the middle of a firefight, you weren't thinking about mom and baseball and apple pie. You were thinking about the guys next to you, and how you needed them and they needed you. And even if you didn't. You know, particularly like them, uh, you were going to do everything you could to make sure that they got through safely because they were going to do everything they could to make sure you got through safely. And and so that's what that's what we need to do. But to be faithless against the people uh, around us by maligning the faithfulness of God is is something we we cannot afford to do. And so so Asaph then comes to this place where he he's confronted this. Uh, uh, this thing in his life. This is like the labor. This is like looking in the labor and thinking, oh, nobody told me I had this big thing in my teeth. He says, when I thought to know this, it was too painful for me until I went to the sanctuary of God and then I understood their end. So when he when he turned his focus back on God, then then he understood 
that the pleasure of sin is for a season. That that the that the wicked that are that are prospering, and certainly the wicked are prospering in their in uh, all of their agendas and things uh, nowadays. That but uh, but he said when I focused back on God, then I understood their end. I understood that this is this is the here and now thing. This is not the forever thing. So surely you did set them in slippery places, and you cast them down into destruction. How are they brought to desolation as in a moment, and they are utterly consumed with terrors? As a dream when one wakes, so, O Lord, when you awake, you shall despise their image. Thus was my heart grieved, and I was pricked in my reins. This word grieved is an interesting word. And it's, it's a word that, uh, um, that they used for leaven. Uh, but the, uh, the basic, uh, most basic definition of the word is pungent. And so, thus was my heart pungent. And nobody likes things that are pungent, typically. And, uh, you know, there's an interesting thing when you come home from a long, long day of work and you take off your shoes. And that's a good word for it. Pungent. And and when sometimes when we come to grips with, with those types of things, when God points out those kind of behaviors, and he, he so skillfully takes us by the hand and leads us along and we're just, oh, this is great. And he's like, here's this thing, you know, and that's, that's never a happy moment for us, but it is a happy moment for us. And so, uh, so coming face to face then with this, uh, realization of, wow, uh, here I've been, been thinking that, uh, that living uprightly was, was vain and, and, uh, and to say these things out loud would, uh, would malign God and do damage to his people. And uh, I can't afford to, to even have these things ruminating around in my mind and thinking about it like it was something that was actually a legitimate thing to think about. He says, thus was my heart grieved, pungent. I like that, I like that pungent. And I was pricked in my reins. So, so foolish was I and ignorant. I was as a beast before thee. Have you ever felt like like you were a beast. You ever, you know, I mean, sometimes even they're just around other people. Like you kind of get out there on a limb a little bit and they just sort of look at you. Like they kind of give you that, was that supposed to be funny look? Because that was just really dumb and offensive. Okay. As you can see, I am quite well versed in that as well. So, so he 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 sees himself in this very unfavorable light now, and he says, "Nevertheless, I am continually with thee, and you have holden me by thy right hand." So, you know what what mercy it is that uh, you know God he he deals with stuff in our life, and this is interesting because this is actually more of a self diagnosis that that Asaph did here, like we talked about last week. He you looked at this stuff and he thought, "Wow." This is what I'm doing is totally backwards. This is not good, and so he turns it around. Um, and but he he recognizes that that uh, God is continually with him, and he says, "You shall guide me with thy counsel, and afterward receive me to glory." <clears throat> Whom have I in heaven but thee? There is none on earth that I desire beside thee. My flesh and my heart fails, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For lo, they that are far from thee shall perish. 
You have destroyed all them that go whoring from thee. But it's good for me to draw near to God. And I put my trust in the Lord God that I may declare all thy works. So, that has a much better ending than the way the way we got going there for a while. Because he starts out with, you know, God is only good to Israel. But me, I got all off track. And then, and then he gets back on track. And then recognizes that that his that he needs God, and that that God is the one that that held him up and, and brought him through, and and the way that he can get through to the end. So go with me over to Psalm 77. It's sort of the same thing again. Uh, I like this one. He says, I cried unto God with my voice, even unto God with my voice, and he gave ear to me. In the day of my trouble I sought the Lord. My soul ran in the night and ceased not. My soul refused to be comforted. I remembered God and was troubled. I complained and my spirit was overwhelmed. Now the thing that's precious about the way this starts out is um, that you know, God is, is not untouched by the things we go through. And, and he, doesn't, uh, he doesn't look on us with contempt when we come to him sniveling and crying and, and, and hurting over something real, you know, or even something not so real because he's a far better father than, than we. You know, I, I confess I have a tendency to look at my kids sometimes when they're crying and say, really? But I don't think God really does that. And uh, so, you know, when... Uh, it's interesting because in the Youngs, in verse 3, he says, I remember God and I made a noise and and my spirit was overwhelmed. And so, you know, that's not even quite the same thing as complaining, is it? Uh, that's more of a, uh, I, I was thinking, why is God not doing something about this thing that I'm dealing with? And all I could do was make a noise. And so, uh, you know, it, it's easy to, uh, go on a, uh, a an anti-complaining crusade when everything is going well and, and you feel good and life is great, but sometimes life just feels really crummy, and and sometimes we have very real things that we deal with that that really hurt, and and God understands that and He knows that and and He doesn't mind you talking to Him about it. In fact, He wants you to talk to Him about it because He wants to help you through it and He wants to make you feel better. And so, but uh, by the same token, uh, this verse has always um, really been rather salty to me. How he says, uh, "I complained and my spirit was overwhelmed," because uh, it's like you know, uh, Louis Zamperini. Uh, people always marvel that he seemed so fearless; that that nothing seemed to make him afraid. Uh, and his explanation for that was, you don't let it in. And uh, because he's like, all those things come at you from the outside, and you simply don't let it in. And then it can't, it can't dictate to you what you're going to do, how you're going to act, any of that stuff. And and sometimes uh, a complaint is like that. Because didn't Jesus say that uh, it's the things that come from uh, inside you that defile you? And so sometimes it's like. You just you want to gripe about something, and and it's like well, eh. but it, it's like that opening the door to letting all this just despair just come out of your mouth like a big black cloud, and and so 
that's certainly not, not what we want to do. And so I think, you know, both of those translations of the verse um, say they say something different, but um, I think they're both really precious in their own uh, in their own way. So so it's not that he doesn't care about the, the things that we deal with. Uh, and I think it's important to you know, to understand that there's a difference between uh, you know telling somebody it's like I I really could use a touch from the Lord because I've got this thing going on versus well this thing is just all terrible and horrible and 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 it's just blah you know there there's a difference there and uh, um, and I I think we've all done both. And, and uh, but that's the difference between you know complaining and and uh, you know calling for help. You know because sometimes when we complain about something, it's not that we want to we don't even want it fixed. We just want to complain about it. And I know I've done that a lot too because complaining can be fun. Especially it can be fun to watch it spread around. You know I saw this uh, comic one time where uh, the kid's in a really bad mood and he's just snarky to everybody and he's like nothing helps a bad mood like spreading it around and it's a terrible idea um, but uh but I thought it was interesting because it it does you know venting those things does temporarily kind of make you feel better for a minute or two but then you've actually compounded your problem and you actually feel worse and so so it's an interesting thing they says I complained and my spirit was overwhelmed I hold us my eyes waking I'm so troubled I cannot speak I've considered the days of old and the years of ancient times. I call to remembrance my song in the night, and I commune with my own heart, and my spirit made diligent search. I find that interesting. It, it, to me, it seems like he's talking about uh, that that sense of your spirit keeping you awake at night because there's something unresolved. And so he goes back, and he's he's. It, se- it seems like he's talking about. You know, considering the days of old and the years of ancient times, like he's recounting the things that, that he knows that God has done. He's going back to the Word and looking at the things that are there. And then he says, I commune with my own heart and my spirit made diligent search. So then it's like it's like looking back through the books and, and thinking, okay, so uh, did I do something amiss? Where might it be? And, and, and looking for it. And, and it's important to, to, to do that prayerfully and with the Word of God because that can turn into uh, a witch hunt really fast. But typically, it, uh, if, if, it's, if God is keeping you up because He wants to deal with something, you probably already know what it is. And, and if you don't, then it doesn't take long to find it because he's, he's glad you're finally ready to talk about it. And then he asks a bunch of questions here that I, that I find interesting as well. Will the Lord cast off forever? Will he be favorable no more? Is his mercy clean gone forever? Does his promise fail forevermore? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his tender mercies? And of course, every good churchgoer knows the answer to all of those. No, 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 no. You know, but, uh, you know, Mike would sometimes ask me questions and I knew that the answer should be yes. But I didn't really feel yes. So I would tell him, well, the correct answer is yes. Like, you believe God's going to get you through all the way to the end, and He loves you, and, and you're going to be okay? The correct answer is yes. <laughs> and uh, so, 
you know, I suppose it's better to be honest than uh, than not. Uh, but uh, now it's funny because as I was reading this along, this scripture popped into my head right at the end of all these questions, and I was disappointed to find it right there in the margin. I was like, Darn it! I was going to write that little notation by it. It's like, oh, they came up with it first. Will the Lord cast off forever? Will He be favorable no more? Is His mercy clean gone forever? Does His promise fail forevermore? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has He in anger shut up His tender mercies? Can a mother forget her sucking child? Or a mother, the child of her womb? They may forget, yet will I not forget Thee? They've graven Thee upon my hands. My walls are ever before me. Uh, I think that question answers all the other questions. And I said, this is my infirmity, but I will remember the years of the hand of the Most High. And as you all know, the words in italics are there to try and give the sense in the translation, but they're not actually words that are there if you you literally translate it from the original language. So he said, and I said, this is my infirmity, the years of the right hand of the Most High. And this word infirmity, uh, it means weakness or sickness, but it also means entreaty. And and so and I think that's the sense he's using it in here. Not so much. I mean, weakness certainly, uh, because he's he's coming up to the Lord in this place of weakness. But and I said, this is my entreaty: the years of the right hand of the Most High. So I've looked back through the Word, and God didn't let Moses down. God didn't let uh, Elijah down. God didn't let Noah down. God didn't. I mean, you could just go on and on and on. And it's like you know, God didn't let me down. So. I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember thy wonders of old. And I will meditate also of all thy work and talk of thy doings. So so here we have the complaint and the cure then. Because in, in both of these cases, and both these psalms written by the same guy. So he must have been a big, big whiner like me. But in both cases, he 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 stops the the, the complaint by going back to the faithfulness of God. Because even if you have something that's really terrible and really awful, uh, this, you know, I mean, because I, in, in my, my mind, there's, there's the complaining about things that are really serious and there's things that are, you complain about that are really trivial. And, uh, what? You're out of my coffee? What? Like and then you go on a rant about it. You know that's rather trivial. Well, kind of coffee is pretty serious, but um, I destroyed my coffee maker in the most bizarre way imaginable. I spilled dry macaroni in it. I don't know how. <laughs> this box was open and I got it out of the cabinet and it somehow got into my coffee pot and then it sucked it up into the the where the water supply goes up into the grounds destroyed my beloved coffee maker. So after limping along with my carrig for a few days, I broke down and bought another one. So, Okay, so coffee is maybe somewhere in here. <laughs> but anyway, uh, in, in either case, this, uh, you know, the, the answer is here, just like I said at the beginning about Isaiah 26.3, because he, he goes back to uh, what the Word of God says, and uh, he he uh, he holds up his situation to the Word of God, and he thinks, well, 
I will remember your, the works of the Lord. I will remember thy wonders of old. And, uh, you know, when you read about, uh, about the, the priests uh, carrying the ark through the, through the River Jordan on their way into the Promised Land, and, and this, just this wall of water from a river, you know, it's not like it was a lake that was just kind of still. This is a river. And so I kind of picture this thing just sort of getting higher and higher and higher. You know, and, and here they are, just walking, not slogging through the mud, but just walking, carrying the ark. You know, like Ron said, that must have been quite disconcerting to the the uh, the inhabitants of uh, Canaan. But <clears throat> when you think that's my God, and He's no respecter of persons, like what He did for somebody else, He'll do for me. Uh, and and while it may not fix your problem. Uh, it, it can really change the way you feel about it. And, and that, I think, is ultimately the thing that we want. And sometimes you don't even, may not even feel better, per se, because you want the thing to go away. But there's this sense of hope that comes with it that this is going to be okay because, because God's in my corner and He doesn't make mistakes. I will meditate also of thy work and talk of thy doings. Thy way, O God, is in the sanctuary. Who is so great a God as our God? Thou art the God that doest wonders, and thou hast declared thy strength among the people. Thou hast with thine arm redeemed thy people, the sons of Jacob and Joseph, Selah. The waters saw thee, O God, the waters saw thee. They were afraid, and the depths were also troubled. I like that. It's like, the sea is afraid of God. It's like, the sea should get in my way, then he'll just make it get out of the way. Nothing like having somebody come to your aid. You know, I was—I got picked on a lot in school, but I only ever had somebody try and assault me a few times. And and there was this one time in particular, this kid that didn't even really like me, but he really wanted to have a fight with the kid that was picking on me. Came in and uh, he kind of set his glasses aside and jumped into the foray and took this kid on with the the thin guys that he was coming to my rescue. I appreciate it nonetheless. Still appreciate that guy. His name was Matt. You know, it's no wonder Matthew means gift of God. So. <laughs> the waters saw thee, O God. The waters saw thee, and they were afraid. The depths also were troubled. The clouds poured out water. The skies sent out a sound, and thine arrows also went abroad. The voice of thy thunder was in the heaven, and the lightnings lightened the world, and the earth trembled and shook. So is that is that what happens? Do you think that's what happens when you call on God, when when you need help? Is that what he does? The voice of thy thunder was in the heaven, the lightnings lightened the world, the earth trembled and shook. Thy way is in the sea, and thy path is in the great waters, in those places that you couldn't go without him. And thy footsteps are not known. Thou leddest thy people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. And I like that because you can't drive sheep, you have to lead them. They're like children. You can't drive children. You have to you have to lead them carefully, or or they go. And so, you know, God is is very wise in the things that He does. So Jesus, we thank you for your word, God. How your word inspires us with a confidence that you are a never failing God. That you have we have this uh, pantheon of of people in the uh, Bible that have. They trusted in you, and they were not ashamed. God, they were they were not let down. Their faith was not disappointed. 
God, and you are that God. And and what you did for them, you'll do for us. Your word says that these things happen to them for our admonition. God, so so yes, there are warnings in the word of God, but there are also these these promises and these encouragements that these things are going to turn out right. And so, God, we just pray that you would touch every soul in this place. God, plant this word deep inside of us and cause it to take root and to grow. God, that that confidence in your goodness and your your never-failing love would be the, the thing that carries us through. And we pray it and ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen, amen.